Hello and welcome to another Coin Geek Conversation with me, Charles Miller. Well, today we're doing something a little bit different. We're talking about how businesses and services can adopt Bitcoin SV by using the highlights from a great panel discussion at the last Coin Geek Week conference. I'm reminding you of the conference this week because the next one has just been announced. It's in Toronto at the end of May. More about that at the end of the podcast. The panel in London last November was hosted by Jimmy Wynn, founding president of the Bitcoin Association. His subject was how to encourage businesses to start using Bitcoin SV. The first guest he spoke to was Martin Dempster of the Scottish drinks business Brewdog. They'd recently started accepting Bitcoin at their new bar in Canary Wharf in London, providing their bar staff with tablets to receive crypto on. Jimmy asked how it had gone. The actual process of um, rolling it out into the site was, was pretty simple. Um, we had a lot of support in terms of doing the training, but even the, the training for the, the staff was, was pretty straightforward. And I think it's, for me, it's just about getting a volume of transactions. Um, I think there's also a kind of communication piece and a little bit of a technology piece to think about as well. So, um, you know, really my challenge is I've, I've got this sort of first sight over the line with, with our company and I really want to be making a strong case for how we add, you know, additional sites uh, um, and, and start implementing um, payments there too. And I think I've got a strong idea that, you know, the, the, the sales that we're seeing through accepting um, Bitcoin are actually incremental. So. I think we're actually bringing new customers into the business. I think that's really, really important. Um, and I think on the technology side, there's just a couple of things around um, uh, some of the wallets perhaps not being as interoperable as they could be, mm-hmm. um, which maybe just causes that confusion for the customer when they're trying to pay. And we're in a fast service environment, so really transaction speed's right. super critical. Um, so any barriers to, to that can, can really put um, a, a blockage in. The last thing I want to see is uh, you know, some of our managers getting a little bit disengaged with the technology right. um, because if they're excited about it, then we can make it happen. Jimmy's next guest was Ina Samovich, CEO of CoPay, the Belarus-based payment gateway. Ina talked about the process of signing up merchants to the CoPay service. We calculated in the beginning, like last year, that it took for our salesperson maybe one hour to talk to mm-hmm. each uh, store in order to convince mm-hmm. them, and not only convince, but explain that it's not going to be di- difficult for them to accept the bitcoins. And uh, um, I can say that uh, there were funny situations in order to register uh, in our platform, you need to keep your private key. So there were a couple of situations that merchants lost them mm-hmm. and they, they were uh, calling us and said, oh, okay, but let's uh, give me my, my password. And we're like, no, it's your private key. You have to register again. And uh, But uh, in terms of, I would say also that um, once you have this system implemented in store, it doesn't mean that employees will really use it. We had situations when customers were going to the store in order to buy something because uh, they found the store in our merchants map but employee themselves even if the owner said yes I want to accept bitcoins employee may say oh no it doesn't work you know because they are afraid to use it or they are afraid that something will go wrong that they don't understand bitcoin they better understand how credit card works or uh, regular currency works so for them sometimes it's easier to say no it doesn't work so when I was in this situation I'm like if it doesn't work, let me help you. And they're like, 
Oh, yeah, really? Well, let me check. Maybe it is working already, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and uh, you really need to look at the... It's like in regular business, you know? Not only owners' um, willingness to accept Bitcoin depends that people will be able to spend Bitcoin in the store, but also lots of things need to be done with uh, people's psychology, you know, and their acceptance that Bitcoin is nothing but about it, you know. And uh, other than that, I would say when customers can pay with Bitcoin, it, they really like it because, again, we work with brick-and-mortar stores, and when they see that transaction is confirmed really fast, they're like, oh, that's it? <laughs> As Ina was saying, to make a Bitcoin payment system work, all the links in the chain including the business owner, the staff and the customers themselves, must be happy with the experience. Another panellist, Elizabeth White, addressed the question of business owners' attitudes. Elizabeth's business, The White Company in New York, made its name selling Lamborghinis and other luxury products to customers who paid in crypto. Elizabeth's customers often already owned crypto, so for her, the challenge was to get the retailers on side. The merchant side was very hard for them to actually understand what crypto or Bitcoin is. So actually we end and settle in fiat in the currency that they're used to. We immediately understand that merchants have hard costs. They have employees, they have overhead. Whatever you're buying from them has a real cost and it's valued in the fiat currency. Fiat currency. So we immediately settle with them in 24 hours, which is actually a lot different than they're used to, especially when we're talking to like auction houses mm -hmm. or car dealerships, art galleries, that might wait weeks for payments Correct. to actually come right. through. So merchants are very happy with the speed of the cryptocurrency, but they're not happy with the volatility. The final panelist was Heidi Patmore from the South African wallet business Centbee. She also talked about approaching businesses to try to persuade them to accept crypto. Heidi said she's learnt that she needs a different approach for the small retailers and the multi-million pound businesses like the big supermarkets. For those large retailers, you have to go right to the top uh, to get any sort of traction with them. Yeah, the top-level, C-level executives. C-suite executives, and, and you've, you've got to, it takes a long time to tell that story and convince them that cryptocurrency is a good idea. Um, you know, the, the general... Like, the first answer is always no. <laughs> like, right. like any, anyone you go to, the first answer is always no ways. Um, and it takes a long time to sort of uh, convince them otherwise. Um, so that's been an interesting uh, learning. It's that, that lead time is extremely long. Um, but the big opportunity in those large retailers is that price is everything. And if they can save half a percent on their <laughs> banking fees or their transaction fees, that's a massive, that's a massive saving for them. Um, on the other end of the scale, when you talk to like the mom and pop stores, uh, first of all, um, what's really interesting is everyone has heard of Bitcoin. They're a little bit scared. That there's still a perception again that uh, Bitcoin is for drug dealers, and I don't want to touch that, and it's not right. regulated, and I, you know, <laughs> and also I know a friend who had some Bitcoin, and now they've lost all their money. That's that's often the right. narrative that comes out. Yeah. So I think with those stores, it's it's a little bit about developing the trust um, that this is a good idea and that there's savings there. And with those retailers, you've got to go in with the killer use case. So, for yeah. example, you can't go in with, like, you're going to save a bit of money on your costs because they don't really care about that. What they care about is, is this going to bring me more customers? Mm -hmm. Is this going to improve my profit margin? Is this going to make my life easier and the merchant's life easier? And I think there's a massive opportunity there 
because those, those smaller retailers kind of get a little bit ignored by the Visa MasterCard uh, community in that there's a lot of pain that they have to go through with their whole banking systems. Uh, to get a point of sale terminal in a small coffee shop is expensive, it takes long, they don't get priority support, um, and their settlement can take a long time, their fees are high. Um, so the big, the big opportunity there is to like undercut all of that, uh, take out all that pain, and then you'll get those smaller retailers on board. So that was everyone's experience of signing merchants up. Jimmy took up the points raised, putting a question to the panel that was first picked up by Elizabeth White. So I've heard several of you now comment about the need to address assumptions that Bitcoin is somehow bad or used for bad things or volatile and that having access to the high-level C-suite executives and appealing to them in a financial as well as business way is important. Um, as you watch the Bitcoin world grow up, and I know we've talked a lot here about the need for us to grow up and professionalize as an industry, how important is that to you? Because you are all on the front lines of dealing with you know, integration of um, you know, Bitcoin at the merchant level. Uh, how important is that for the Bitcoin to start presenting a professional image? So I think the the press actually has a lot of negative stories about where Bitcoin is today or hacking or people losing money or there's just a lot of unknown things that are still happening in this world that that's where the headlines are. Right. And if you do not follow cryptocurrency and you see a Forbes article that said Bitcoin fell to nothing right. or it's, it's now not happening or you hear from other speakers like example Nariel Rabini who says don't do it, it's terrible. Like, so if you're hearing this from one side, how do you actually hear the other side? And the merchant needs to understand that, that again, it's not about laundering money or drug money, it's a technology that can actually help in the future, and it will be the future. So I think the professionalism just needs to grow up and we need to kind of get out the bad actors, we need to call them out, we need to say that this is not what really Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is about. Martin, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree with all those points. I think the other thing I would say is that um, I think professionalization is really important, but we need to be careful that we don't lose that kind of really important disruptive message and why this is different and really important to get behind. So I think that's just really important about you know, sure. keeping that message really clear, and I think that'll really help people get on board when they realize how important this technology is. Yeah. You know, what's well, been your experience with this as, since you're talking to a lot of merchants yes, yourself? Yes, yes. Um, in my opinion, the situation is very different in different countries. When we talk about Western countries uh, and we go to uh, big companies, I think um, top management really understand that nothing is bad going on with Bitcoin in terms of money laundering. They all understand the system. Uh, they all understand how cash works, how banking system works. I think for them it's more reputation risks that uh, they care about. They care about their stakeholders, shareholders, and that's why they don't want uh, they don't want necessarily to be in a rush, start accepting bitcoins in the stores for a general public, because they kind of right now waiting what what will happen next who will be the first everybody is waiting for the first big company start accepting bitcoin and then they will be able when they see the result of it they will be able to uh, make this step again now when we talk about 
other countries where there are problems with access to the banking system, with access to even you know point of sale terminals that will accept uh, cards. There, you don't need to convince anybody. I think there, people are more willing to start accepting Bitcoin as additional payment method because it's really easier for them. Heidi, thoughts from you? Um, well, I'd, I'd look at this from a from a branding perspective, and I think that. One of the critical things is that there's so many different messages coming from so many different places. Right. Um, and we have that already within the Bitcoin community with all these different, you know, like this is... Because this it's uh, decentralized. Truth of social media, you know, <laughs> right, like yeah. the price goes up based on one guy tweeting, you know. Um, what I think a, a community like this, like SV would need to do, is we need to start talking consistently in the same way with a specific type of brand in a specific type of tone of voice um, consistently over time it needs to be about the idea not the personalities correct you know yeah. um, and I think that if we can as a community agree on certain principles on how we communicate this and how we take this to market um, and leverage like leverage the fact that we've got the top professionals the top scientists the top everyone the top code developers um, like leverage those relationships that we already have to build that credibility over time um, and, and just stick at it. Like keep telling the same message over and over and over for three years um, and eventually it'll sink in. As a community, if we could start talking in the same way or at least um, have open source resources that anyone who wants to spread the message mm. about SV can say the same thing right. to, yeah. to different people. You know, give people... Uh, for example, signing up merchants, like why not make that an open source business where anyone who wants to go and sign up a chain of coffee shop stores in their town and get them to accept SV, well, here's your toolkit, right. here's your branding, here's your this, here's your that, this is your message, Good that's the slogan. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you, you know, look, if we all do the same thing, right. we will get so much further. Right. Yeah, and I think one of the things I'm most looking forward to is stability, right? Yeah. The more we have, as we've talked about, a lot of stable protocol, the yep. more we can have reinforced repetitive messages that are consistent about that protocol. Um, I, I also wanted to add that uh, sometimes issue is not accepting or not accepting Bitcoin. Uh, the biggest issue when we go to merchant, they're asking, what problem do you solve? You know, what problem do you well, solve? Yes, if they don't see it How as do you a problem. <laughs> well, we try to tell them that this is money of the future, that more and more people will uh, get to you with uh, this uh, uh, cryptocurrency, you know, and you will have to respond to them, you will have to give them this opportunity to accept. But the biggest issue still, if merchant will have like 10, 20 requests a day, can I pay to you with Bitcoin? You know, maybe they will see it as an issue and then they will be willing more to start accepting Bitcoin. Aside from the particular and sometimes practical challenges of persuading retailers to accept crypto, there are bigger questions, including regulation, that may be putting a break on adoption, as Elizabeth White explained. It's an international wealth that right. we're trying to move around the world. <laughs> so is it a commodity? Is it a security? Right. Is mm -hmm. it a currency? Right. Is it How a is utility? It taxed, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So there's a, so much uncertainty, and every different country, let alone state, um, city like that may have different opinions on how to actually classify this so if we could get to a level where regulation like is more set and understood mm -hmm. i think merchants would be more accepting of it because 
they will then know the repercussions yeah. or the value of what actually mm -hmm. cryptocurrency can do. Well, a great example is Japan, the first country in the world to recognize Bitcoin as legal tender, therefore you know, requiring legally merchants and people to accept it for payment as among the payment options. Um, and I know when I talk about regulation, <coughs> a lot of people out there in the Bitcoin community go, you know, they don't like the idea of talking about laws and regulations, but merchants and businesses find comfort Right. in knowing that what they accept for payment is legally recognized and protected. And banking solutions. And banking as well, um, right. A lot of um, banks do not want to touch uh, or custody or Correct. anything that yeah. has touched Bitcoin. Yeah. So for this to spread, what I'm encouraging our community to do is actually be proactive in talking about and reaching out to regulators and legislators about how um, Bitcoin should be treated in their country as opposed to being afraid of it we need to welcome it into our world because it's the reality and it will help um, normalize everything we do. Heidi, you have any thoughts? I think, uh, I think that's an excellent point just on your regulation and uh, at Synthi we are very pro-regulation yeah. because at the end of the day you are, the, the whole point of regulation is to make something regular, to make it a normal, right. okay right. thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that um, we, we've got to move away from the narrative of like Bitcoin is anarchist, anti-government, you know, a way to cheat the rules, to dodge taxes, etc. That's not what it's for. Um, and any company that hears that narrative is going to stay miles away from it, which we, then we're never going to scale. Right. Um, and even consumers, consumers take a lot of comfort from a regulation. Like we in, we, in South Africa, we're very, very fortunate to have a very forward-thinking uh, financial regulator, the South African Reserve Bank. Um, and they're luckily uh, very open to working with the industry's experts to, to try and make this a regular thing and make, right. it, make it acceptable. Um, and I think that that's a good precedent to set because when your reserve bank is saying, hey, this thing is okay, consumers will be like, okay, the reserve bank, bank said it's okay, so mm -hmm. I'm not going to go to jail if I go and buy stuff with Bitcoin. Ina, any thoughts on this? Uh, I agree with uh, Heidi and Elizabeth. And, um uh, the more regulation will come, the more people will adopt Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And uh, we all have to understand that uh, we are in the beginning of this process. We are, it's a really early beginning of development uh, of this technology and Bitcoin will grow. Uh, the question is how fast uh, community will accept it, you know, and I think that with uh, level how all the technologies are progressing right now, uh, it can be really fast. And I also think that next generation, it really depends also how next generation uh, will use it. And I think that the people of next generation, they will like Bitcoin more than regular currency only because uh, that it gives them independence, you know, it gives them independence from government, from banking system. They can feel that they own something on, on their own, you know, and nobody else controls it. And if we look at young people right now, they don't really like control. They like to make decisions themselves. And I think that will be also, we will see big progress uh, once this new generation will grow up. Like even kids who right now 13, 12 years old, I think they were asking the most parents last year to buy for birthdays exactly mm -hmm. Bitcoin, you know, yep. as a present. So, yeah, buy Bitcoin yeah. for your kids for presents, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, I, I think we all want to see a world one day where some kid goes, Mom, the British pound, it's so old. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you using that? Well, in the final section of the discussion, Jimmy asked the panelists to look ahead and talk about what they'd like to see happen. For Heidi Patmore from Centbee, 
it was a question of looking for bold and completely original solutions. I think we need to move away from this is the fiat system and this is how everything works. Now let's like copy paste a blockchain way of doing it like that. But what we should be thinking of like, what is like the crazy amazing thing that we could build that no one in fiat or banking has ever thought about that basically changes everything. Um, and I think that we need to sort of start adopting that instead of, I mean, I think for now the early days we need to do a copy paste because you're not going to change behavior right. overnight. But in the future we should be thinking that. Now if you took that idea to a, to a um, like a tax, like to the South African Revenue Service and said, hey, every single time someone pays for something and, and there's VAT, um, we will, the, the, the Bitcoin system can automatically right. load that VAT into right. your bank account immediately right. without mm -hmm. any sort of, they would love that. Yeah. Reduce no, government overhead, right? It would reduce government overhead and yeah. auditing. So when you solve the pain for someone, when you, that, it's, the, it's all about yeah. the killer use case. So if you're solving that pain for tax regulators and you're solving that pain for consumers and you're solving pain for merchants, um, when you can solve those problems, things will get adopted. It's when it's like not that different or not that interesting mm -hmm. or just, okay, it's like the Bitcoin version of something we already have. Um, that's nice, but it's not disruptive. Also thinking of the future, Elizabeth White and Martin Patmore talked about using crypto in NFC payments, that's near-field communication or contactless. But Elizabeth began by looking back. I remember when I was a kid, you used to have to put your credit card in this thing that you slid mm -hmm. over and there was like oh, carbon copies. So in my lifespan, yeah. in 20 years, we've seen right. the carbon copy yes, to a tap pay. Yeah. So I think... In cryptocurrency, we have moved very far, very yeah. quickly, mm -hmm. but I think it still will take the time. And I do understand that NFC payments are available and right. the API systems like we can attach to cryptocurrency yeah. would be great. Right. I mean, you just have to be accepted on the same like rails or- um, Correct, you need wallets and, that <clears throat> have the NFC technologies for Bitcoin right. and get accepted and, and have the APIs like in, necessary to in integrate to the, to the terminals that, are, that the merchants already use. If I could just add something yeah, quickly please. as well, I think there's a role for wallets here as well in terms of adding peripheral functionality that can give consumers more. So if you look at what some of the disruptive banks are doing, it's things like automatic categorization of payments, you can split bills with uh, friends, you can uh, now do things like pay at table in some of our sites, which adds a lot of uh, benefit to the customer so they can just pay and leave. So there's a bunch of stuff that might be merchant specific, but you know, can really give a lot of added utility to customers. So it's probably worth thinking about that in, in terms of how wallets can... Uh, really allow that to happen in the future too. Finally, Heidi Patmore won a spontaneous round of applause for her rousing support for Bitcoin SV and a plea to keep the message simple. We need to take the maximalist and purist approach to Bitcoin. So we need to take the point of view that there will be only one and that SV is the best one. And it's the most close to the vision because it's a stable protocol. Okay, so we need to move away from BTC versus BCH versus BSV or whatever else there is. We need to talk about Bitcoin, okay, generically. And I don't, if you're a new consumer, I don't need to tell you what the ticker is. I just need to tell you if you want to move money from A to B in under one second for less than one P, here's the app to do that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. That was Heidi Patmore of St. B, Martin Dempster of Brewdog, Ina Samovich of Copay, and Elizabeth White of the White Company, with Jimmy Wynn chairing, at the CoinGeek Week conference in London. And you can now sign up for the next CoinGeek Week conference in sunny Toronto at the end of May.
go to coingeek.com slash conference for more about that. I'll be back next week with another CoinGeek conversation. So thanks for listening and goodbye.